We are in the second week of a series on one of the most controversial books in the whole Bible. And I really don't understand why it's controversial, but you can turn with me to the book of Revelation. As you're turning into the book of Revelation, I want to ask you to multitask with me. I want to ask you to make sure that everybody watching from afar or online that can't be here, and then even for us, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Eunice City Jail, would you get real loud for this audience, Mike, and make sure that they know how grateful we are that they're here with us. So the word revelation, it, it just means apocalypse. It's the Latin to English translation of the word apocalypse. So this is apocalyptic literature. And, and what does that mean? It means that the end is near. No, no, no. Apocalypse just means revealed or unveiled. You know, like, like a groom comes down to the front of the aisle and the bride is actually supposed to be dressed in white. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, that's not even part of the message. Uh, and, and, then, and then the bride, he removes the veil, right, to, to see his bride. That's what Jesus did with the book of Revelation. That's good. That's good right there. He wanted, he wanted his bride to be unveiled. In fact, as I told you last week, it's not actually until we read the book of Revelation that we see the full picture of who Jesus really is. See, if you just read Matthew through Jude, you have an incomplete idea of, or an incomplete vision of Jesus in his resurrected form. So Jesus gave John a vision that he wanted people to remember him as. Not just the Christ on the cross, not just the one who was heard of being resurrected from the grave. Not just the baby in the manger, although thank God for the immaculate conception, but as the soon coming king, Jesus wanted to remember him as the one who came and is coming back. So I want to preach a message today called hashtag. Now hashtag for my senior saints, that's the pound symbol and it attaches a lot of different words together in the social media world, okay? So we're gonna preach a message called hashtag gone. That's the, <laughs> and I love saying that word as country as I am, you know, because, and I don't mean to be, it just comes out that way. There's this YouTube video out there, this guy that's singing in this really charismatic church, and he says, well, I'll be gone, and then everybody takes off running, and that's, that's why there's only like 15 people in that church, right? Because <laughs> they don't really care what you know, they don't really care about making people feel uncomfortable when they're trying to, you know, receive the peace of God and understand what's going on in a room. So we're doing hashtag gone. And uh, by the way, in this series, we are compiling for you a list of resources. In fact, we're going to put that up on the screen. Um, you can take a picture of this QR code. It's coming. Uh, there it is. You can take, and these are the, a QR code. Um, if you'll open your phone, again, Senior Saints predominantly. I'm just, I want to help you. <laughs> it's fun. That's funny. Um, it, just open your phone app, and you can take a picture of the QR code if I'm not blocking it. Um, I believe this is also in our pre-roll service, and I think it's on the back of your bulletin as well. Because there's a lot of crazies in regard to eschatology. Right? There's these TikTok theologians. They don't teach seminary or pastor a church. They just make videos in their mom's basement. And, <laughs> and they have all of this figured out. People with PhDs don't, don't understand what they've learned, right? Okay, we don't want you to succumb to all of those people. Um, so we are compiling a list of resources that you can learn and glean from. Now hear me, really important. Test everything that is said. That's a command from Apostle Paul. Test everything that is said. And then sometimes you got to eat the fish and spit out the bones and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you what is absolute truth and what is other people's opinion. Are y'all okay? Because there's a difference. In fact, one of my favorite videos I put on here, um, it's about a two-hour special. I, I, about about two and a half people are going to watch that in our entire church. It's a it's a two hour special where these prophets and preachers 
get together in a circle on TBN and tell each other why they're wrong. It's awesome. It's my favorite one of all of them. And I just take notes as to why this guy could be right or why, you know, and why it's not. And then I look at the scripture and I let God's word speak for itself. Okay, so let's look at God's word. Number one, I preached this last week. We talked about the body that obeyed. The body that obeyed. And now again, disclaimer, I have a lot of scripture this week. In fact, I'm gonna throw a lot of scripture at you that's, that's not in the notes because my notes would have been like five pages long. It doesn't mean I'm gonna preach longer than normal unless you're not listening. <laughs> it just means that I have a lot of scripture. The reason that I have a lot of scripture is because I'm gonna give you a sermon from the Bible. And so... <laughs> When people preach and they don't use scripture, you actually need to be really cautious of the self-help jargon out there. Because I can make you feel better about being who you are, and I don't even have to use the word of God. But, but I don't want you to feel better about who you are. I want you to be inspired to become like Jesus. And the only way you do that is with his word, okay? So I have a lot of scripture. Here's one from last week. This is the church that we want to be, Revelation 3, verse 8. And I even abridged it for you. You obeyed my word and did not deny me. This is the church of Philadelphia. Every other church, they had a lot of things right, but they got this wrong. Now, Jesus told a parable about this church. And remember, it's the voice of Jesus speaking to John that said this. He tells a parable about these two individuals that build a house, right? They build their life. And they both have a foundation, and they both heard the word of God. Um, they're, they're Southern Americans that grew up listening to God's word being preached more than they probably even wanted to hear it. Hi, I'm Chris. All right, so they heard the word, and, and one of them, he's called the wise man, built his house on solid rock or, or stone, and when the storms came, the house, the house stood, okay? But the other one, he heard the word, and he was foolish. He heard the word, but he didn't do the word. So he built his house on sand. He invested as much in earthly things and then just, just threw a little investment over into kingdom things and called that following Jesus. He, I'll come back to it. The wise man, the only difference between the two was not that they heard the word of God or how much they sat in a service with a church. Because you don't come to church. You come to service as the church or as a potential part of the church in the name of Jesus. But one of them heard and did and the other one did not. And that's the difference between the six churches and the church of Philadelphia. You obeyed. Now, verse 10, watch this. Because you have obeyed, this is Jesus. You've obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you. And I prophesied over you last week in the name of Jesus. Your family, your health, your business, your finances, your future, God's call, your purpose, which has really nothing to do with you being covered, but his kingdom coming through you and God being glorified. But Jesus says, because you have obeyed, I will protect you from the great time of testing. Okay, Jesus is not lying. He's not saying, um, because in his gospels he had said, in this life there will be tribulation, right? But fear not, for I have overcome the world. So is Jesus contradicting himself? No, he's talking about something else. There's a great time of testing. There's a great tribulation. There's a great outpouring of God's wrath to be poured out upon the people of the earth. And so he says there's a great testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. But I have really good news. If you are in Christ, you don't belong to the world. So you're not going to go through the great. Now, if you're not in Christ, if you're not abiding in Christ, then you do belong to the world. If you are not living for God, you belong to the world. But in Christ, come on, you're not a child of the 
world. You're not a son of perdition. You're not a child of darkness. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God. And when his kingdom comes completely, it's coming through you and to you. Come on, somebody. So you're not going to go through what the world will go through because you don't belong to the world. You belong to him. And that was a great moment to go ahead and just take one of those opportunities to praise him and thank him that you ain't going to have to be one of those people even though you're in this place currently. And everybody else, you'll praise him later. Because you obeyed, you're the church that I want everybody to be. And God will protect you from the 1260 days of fiery wrath being poured out upon the earth. In the days of Noah, he baptized the earth in water. In the days of Revelation, he will baptize the earth with fire. <laughs> I heard a, an older pastor preaching about this, and, and people wanted to show him their nice things, and, and he got a little super spiritual in Bible college, and, and he, his buddies would, wow, look at that car, and he, it's going to burn. <laughs> and then they'd drive back, man, wow, look at that house, like, it's going to burn gonna burn it's all gonna burn that was like his now he changed that we don't want to say that like I'm, I thank God for nice things but they are gonna burn because because they're not going with us those are earthly things where moth and rust destroy because you obeyed I will protect you from the 1260 days of fire being poured out upon the earth from the three and a half years within the seven years of peace from the 70, 70th week of Daniel See, in the book of Daniel, he prophesied about 69 weeks, and he prophesied about a 70th week, which we currently stand in between. And I don't have time to go to Daniel 7, 8, and 9 and break all that down. You can study that. We've given you resources. If you want to learn more, if you want to know more, then I would invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you and actually study to show thyself approved, not just listen to messages where other people have studied. It's important that we know that Revelation dictated the days. I'm going to come back to it. Revelation 4, verse 1. This is John speaking again. He says, Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice that scared the spirit out of me when I was alone with the Lord in the previous chapter, the same voice spoke to me like a trumpet blast, and the voice said, come up here. The voice said, come up, or Greek word, ascend. So, so he's no longer on the earth. He's been caught up. He's been called up. And then the Bible says, and after I bring you up, I will show you what must happen after this. There's an after this for the earth. The scholars and theologians that still believe in the calling up of the church point to this passage in Revelation chapter 4 as imagery and or evidence that the child of God, the saints of God, shall not see the wrath of God because that scripture is confirmed in other places. And the Bible says in verse 2, instantly. Y'all going to make me hurt myself today. That's okay. I'll do it. I got three services in me. Instantly, I was in the spirit. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Instantly, I went up. Now, the rest of chapter 4 and chapter 5 are all about the vision of this throne room and the worship in this throne room. That's why I will give you opportunities to praise Jesus throughout the message because I found a scripture just this past week that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119 that seven times a day I praise the Lord. And I think we should just be more intentional about taking the opportunities to give God glory and to give God thanks. I think we should just wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I praise you that I woke up. Lord, I praise you that I can get up. Come on, because it's one thing to wake up. It's another thing to get up. Somebody, Lord I, Lord, I praise you that I have something to eat. Oh, God, I thank you for the coffee that is drawing me into the kitchen. God, I thank you for the job. I don't like it, but I'm grateful for it. Come on, somebody. Lord, I thank you. I praise you 
all the days of my life. Your praise shall continually be. I can't get no help in this quiet church today. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because I know that when I praise God, I become like those that John saw in the throne room of God who are all day and all night crying unto the king, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. And that's what's happening in those next two chapters. I just preached two chapters in just a moment of excitement. Number two, the church is caught up. And I don't mean caught up and distracted by all the things that most people are. That's not what, it, what I'm going into today. I'm talking about the word that was just used to John. The word that will be used to the church in Corinth. And the word that will be used to the church in Thessalonica. 23 books of the New Testament talk about the coming of the Son of Man. Or the return of our Savior. Some people have come to me and said within the last six and a half years, now you know this rapture thing, that's only a hundred year old idea, right? And I say, no, it's a 1,900-year-old idea. The church in Thessalonica believed in the calling up of the saints of God. We stopped believing what the early church, the first church, preached all over the place. He's kind of like the Holy Ghost. The rapture and the Holy Ghost are in the same scope considered by the church. See, for about 1,500 years, the church stopped talking about the Holy Spirit. They treated the Holy Spirit like the weird uncle that they only wanted to see at the family reunion. But when in 1980 the Holy Spirit revealed himself back in the picture and Jesus' bride became as dependent upon Holy Spirit because that's his name as they were father and son, they again began to see and believe the same things that the first church saw and believed in. And one of those things besides signs and wonders, which I ain't got time to be excited about this morning. One of those things were the church. See, it's not a new idea. It's a restored idea. Don't tell me it's a hundred years old when I can read that Paul wrote about it. Luke chapter 21, because Paul's not the only one that wrote about it. Verse 36, these are the words of Jesus. Watch therefore and pray always. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. All right, now listen, I'm not trying to preach you into escape theology today because I preached about that last week. We should not overvalue escaping from the life that Jesus has called us to live. We should not overvalue escaping the life that Jesus has called us to live. But between the confession of Jesus and the escape with Jesus is the call of Jesus. It is our turn and time because the government and the increase thereof will continue until the end. It is our time to stop overvaluing escaping and start overvaluing establishing in the name of Jesus. Enduring. Come on. Because God is not just needing a church that is willing to show up on Sunday. He's needing a church and a body that's willing to walk in the Spirit every day. And as long as He leaves me here, I'm going to hold hell back. As long as He leaves me here, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Thy kingdom come. You prayed it a minute ago. Thy will be done on the earth right now. As long as I'm here, I'm not just here looking for an opportunity to get out. I'm here looking for an opportunity to bring out, to bring out the light that God placed in people, to bring out the love, because love doesn't just look to escape. Come on, somebody. Love bears all things, believes all things. Love hopes all things, and love endures all things. But we are a sleepy church, not this church. I'm talking about the American church. 
it's the church of Sardis and Laodicea as if they had an offspring and called them American. Jesus said, watch. I kind of like some of the things that John Hagee says, not all of them, but I like it when he says, we need to wake up and look up because we're going up. <laughs> I don't, he said more pack up and all kinds of stuff, but we need to watch. Why? Because it sounds good in a sermon? No, because Jesus said it. And if we're watching and praying and we are alert, we will be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and we will stand before the Son of Man. What is he talking about? Well, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is giving a description of what's going to happen in the last days. He says there will be famines. Well, can you believe what's happening in Russia? Can you believe that the Tennessee farmers aren't getting... Can you believe that the wheat crop... I said wheat, not weed. I don't know what's happening with weed, but the wheat crop is... <laughs> can you believe that this thing is being held back? Can you believe that they're trying to take all our money? Can you believe that they're developing a digital currency? Can you believe that I saw in a commercial yesterday about one world bank and being controlled by one financial world bank? Can you believe that they're setting up a one world government? Yes! I can because I believe what he said. In fact, he said wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, famines, and all of these outbreaks that everybody's so... This is the end. That's not the end. Jesus said these things are going to happen. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies... When you see a Palestinian state surround a plot of land that is smaller than most American states are. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you better look up and you better get ready. You better be ready because you don't have long before I'm coming to deliver you and everybody else that believes in me. Don't overvalue escape. But know that he's coming. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 20, 28, New Living Translation says, He will come again. And when he comes back, he's not coming back again to deal with our sin. He's already done that. So if he's done dealing with it, then you can be done dealing with it. Come on, somebody. But to bring the fullness of salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. This word, eagerly waiting, is an expectation. It's like a child on Christmas. It's like a child the evening before. It's not that we stop doing everything that God's called us to do. It's just that we do it with a holy, eternal anticipation. This imminent return that God promised to those who are eagerly anticipating and looking for him to come. I'm watching for my daddy to bring me home. I'm watching for my Savior to part the skies. I know that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. So when it warms up out there, all I know is that it's warming up up there. And I can believe as Jesus told me in Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 watch and pray lest you enter so for those in the back I legitimately want to know, and if you're watching online, I mean, you are freaking out right now. That's, where did he go? <laughs> My question is, were you ready? Because the warning has already been given. The heavens are declaring the coming of his glory and when he comes to draw us out 
There's not going to be another sign that has not already been fulfilled. See, the next time that he comes, he's not going to give 360 prophecies that need to come to pass before an immaculate conception. The next time he comes, he's coming like a thief in the night. The next time he comes, he's coming like the lightning from the east to the west. The next time he comes, he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. And we better be watching, and we better be ready, and we better to be doing what he told us to do whenever he comes. First Thessalonians chapter 4 says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That's why I yell when I preach. I'm trying to be like Jesus. Come on somebody. He will come from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel. In other words, <laughs> Gabriel and Michael going to be screaming with him. Come on. They're Pentecostal. They preach along with the preacher. They're just excited about it. The archangel and with the trumpet of God. Now, I hope we didn't scare anybody with the trumpet, and that ain't nothing compared to the trumpet that you're going to hear. And then the Bible says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, don't be confused by that, because we are spirit, soul, and body, according to the book of Thessalonians. And when we pass from this life into the next, the, body, the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is appointed unto every man once to die and then the judgment. Then we stand with Jesus. By the way, there ain't no in-between. And I ain't got time to preach that one book that we pulled that out of today. I, when I leave from here, I'm going to be with him. If you want to wait around and have people pray for you along the way, then you can wait around. But I want to see Jesus whenever I leave this body. And the Bible says that the bodies that are buried in the ground are going to spring up from the earth. And the bodies buried in the ground are going to meet the soul and the spirit in the air. And we that remain, because they got to go first, because we're still in the body, will be caught up. There's our word again. I like this one. This one's even more impactful. It didn't just mean to ascend. It means to seize. It's like I'm just going to be going about my day. <laughs> Is that what you want to do when is that what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Yeah, I'm just going to be going about my day. And the Bible says I'm going to be snatched away in a moment. With no time to prepare and nobody to hang on to. Come on somebody. I'm going to be caught up. Latin word raptura. English raptured. Rapture's not even in the Bible. Neither is the Trinity, but you better believe in him. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. Where? In the air. He's not coming back here. I'm going up there. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, verse 18, comfort. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Stop posting. Comfort one another with these words because we're not going to get caught up in everything that's going on we're going to get caught up in Jesus and instead of getting distracted we're going to live divine instead of complaining about the earth that we don't even belong to come on we're going to start contributing to the kingdom that we're supposed to be establishing we're not trying to get out of here we're bringing there to here until we're no longer here that's good stuff right there rapture or caught up versus jesus coming back it's not a new idea it's a first church idea that was neglected for 1900 years. You think it's an accident that the Holy Spirit began to be acknowledged again and at about the same time the church rediscovered the revelation of the saints being separated from the wrath of God? No, for 19 or 1,500 years, we excluded the Holy Spirit. And for 1,500 years, we missed out on the revelation. Because you can't have revelation without Holy Spirit. 
The carnal mind, I ain't got time to preach all of it, can't understand the things of God except by the Spirit of God. So if you love the Father and you love the Son, you better love Holy Spirit because He's the one that can let you know what all has been and will be done. Rapture versus return. In the rapture, we're taken up. We just read it. And that's not the only place. I just don't have time to give you all the scriptures. In the return throughout the book of Revelation, specifically in Revelation 19, 20, 21, and 22, you see that he touches down. So in the rapture, Christians meet Jesus in the air and see Jesus in the air. In the return, Jesus comes and touches down on the Mount of Olives. Everybody sees him. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the ones that have the mark and the ones that are already in the holding place of the wicked dead will not have another opportunity. In the rapture, we're removed from the earth when he comes back, he returns to the earth. In the rapture, war breaks out. There is a great Armageddon. And I don't personally believe that we're going to be here for it. Hey, just by the way, 90-second side note. You can prove pre, that means before, great tribulation. You can prove great tribulation with script, um, pre-great tribulation leaving of the church with Scripture. And for those of you who want to, you can prove mid-tribulation. You can prove that we'll, we'll leave in the middle of the thing. And for those of you that want to, you can prove post with Scripture. If you take it out of context, that one's probably the hardest. This one's a little bit easier. And this one, to me, for me, is the most obvious. Why? I actually believe that the church being removed from the earth is what causes war to break out in a historical manner across the earth. Why do I believe that? Because I believe that the body of Christ is the grace of God. As long as we're still here, hell can't have its way. Hold on, watch this. But when the church, the body of Christ, the church of Philadelphia, the ones who are actually obeying the will of God, when the body of Christ is removed, the Holy Ghost goes with the body. And when the body and the Holy Ghost are removed, come on, the only thing that's left to possess the land is powers and principalities of darkness. Come on, currently, the grace of God, the body of Christ, the spirit that dwells in the temple of the body of Christ is holding back hell. But when that is removed, hell now has its opportunity to have its way. As long as we're still here, hell can't have its way. It means hell can't have its way in my heart. It can't have its way in my house. It can't have its way in my city. It can't have its way in my parish. It can't have its way in my state. Hell can't have its way in my nation. Because as long as I'm standing, I'm standing in the way of what hell wants to do. And I plan on being in the way as long as God keeps me here. But when he gets me out of the way, there's nobody in the house. So devils are going to possess the whole house, every nation, every land. The only ones that will be here to stand in the way is the people that took the grace of God for granted before the wrath began to be poured out. We call that left behind. War will break out across the earth. In the return Peace is restored. With one word, the battle of Armageddon is over. With just one word, powers and principalities will bow down. Kings and kingdoms will submit and surrender. In the rapture, Christ receives his bride. In the return, Christ returns with his bride. At the end of the 1290 days that follow the 1260 days, Jesus is coming with 
the body of Christ. And Jesus is going to be not on a white horse, but on the white horse. And those that follow him will be his bride, ready in a robe of righteousness to rule and reign for a literal, not an amillennial or a postmillennial, but a literal 1,000 years while we are still here. And then God will clean this whole thing up. We will see the great white throne judgment. I ain't got time to give you all of it. I done studied it too much. And everybody wouldn't be interested if I tried. But he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says that we can only know the season of which he will come like a thief in the night for the bride that is ready. Because there is a parable about ten brides. Now, I don't know what this guy was thinking. One is enough for me. Come on. <laughs> Never mind. Our anniversary is this week. I want to stay right where I am in Jesus. Okay, so there's a story of ten brides. And, and they all had lamps. And, and, and they all had oil in their lamp except for the ones that used it on themselves and except for the ones that didn't stay full in the Spirit and except for the ones that just chased, chased glory around from revival meeting to revival meeting, except for the ones that, that actually accomplished the will of God for their lives. The Bible says that five of them had to go back out and get some more anointing because they wasted the first one. And when the five of them go back out to get another anointing, the bridegroom comes. And five that had the oil, Holy Spirit, and operation thereof, obedience to the Word of God. When the five that were waiting, watching, eagerly expecting, we just read all that, see the bridegroom, they go with him. And the five that went out after all the things that the world has got left. And Jesus said, the day nor the hour shall not be known. But if you look at the fig tree, and you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you need to know that your redemption draweth nigh. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. When people ate, drank, and were merry without concern of my coming. You can't know the day or the hour, but you can know the season. All right, hear me. For, for me, that's an imminent return. What does imminent mean? It means it can happen at any time. Don't let me lose you because I'm teaching instead of preaching. It means it could happen at any time. That's imminent. If I were mid-trib personally. I know some people still, that's fine. You can go to church here and believe whatever you want to believe about that. I'm going in the first wave. You can wait if you want to. <laughs> if you believe for mid-tribulation to be true, we would not be able to know the day nor the hour because that was an absolute that Jesus spoke. But the Bible tells me in the book of Revelation, according to Daniel 9, chapter 27, that the man of sin is going to sign a peace agreement for seven years with the nation of Israel and the people of God. The, the sacrifices are going to start taking place again. There is reserved a portion of the temple mound to be reserved just for the Hebrews to again begin doing these sacrifices. And when I see that treaty signed between the Israeli state and the Palestinian state, I know that that is day one of seven years of tribulation. That is day one of 1260. And if I'm here, then I can say 1260 days from now, that person might be a man, might be a woman, might be somebody thinks they both. I don't know what it's going to be. But that person will stand on the temple mount and declare themselves to be God 1260 days from now. And then 1260 160 days from that moment, God is going to come for 30 days and give an opportunity of grace. One more wave across the earth. And 30 days after that, the church is coming back with Jesus, robed in white. And the glory of God is going to rule and reign for a millennium. Okay, so in the return, I just told you 
Overpreached it ever so slightly, but told you nonetheless. I can tell you the day. So I would be going against the scripture if I believed in a post great tribulation calling up of the church. Now let me tell you the greatest sign in closing. Man, I ain't doing it in 20 seconds. I can guarantee you that. There are many signs, and I don't have time to preach all of them today. In fact, let me tell you, I believe, and I know everybody did, right? But I really believe that we either are the generation or we are raising the generation. Because Jesus said, this generation shall not pass. And I don't have time to tell you everything that this generation is. I'm just telling you, there is not one more prophetic sign that needs to be fulfilled. Not one. They're all fulfilled. And I could get stuck for a long time in the preparation of Levitical priest and DNA and the heifers that got shipped out of Texas. I'm not talking, never mind. I'm the actual cows that, <laughs> that were shipped out of Texas on the... <laughs> Only in the South do you get away with stuff like that. I won't get stuck in all that. I'm just telling you, I believe that we are the generation. One of the greatest signs of this generation, despite the explosion of knowledge, and just even apart from the fact that Jerusalem is currently surrounded by armies, that America is, by the way, supporting The greatest sign is number three, the falling away of even the church. Now listen, I'm not here to argue whether they were saved, whether they are saved, whether they could lose their salvation or whether they could walk away from their salvation. Let's just all agree that if you're saved, you live for Jesus. That's the simple fact. If you're born again, filled with the Spirit of God, then you will walk with the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, did they lose their salvation or were they not ever saved? Who cares? They need Jesus. Come on, somebody. We all need Jesus. But the falling away of individuals connected to the church is prophesied by almost every apostle in the New Testament. And one of the most flagrant prophecies to me, the most obvious, is that from the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith named Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This was one of the memory verses that messed up my idea that there was nothing I personally could do to walk away from the will of God for my life. Because the Bible says... The Spirit tells us clearly that in the last days, some will turn away from the true faith. In fact, I believe I memorized it in the New International Version, and we could go look at the Greek on Bible Hub and dissect this thing down for another 15 minutes, but some of you are already falling asleep because we're not at a movie that entertains you. We're listening to God's word that actually fills you with something that will last you beyond the next two and a half hours. They will follow. <laughs> I don't know where I get that gift. From. They will follow deceptive spirits. The version that I memorized says, in the last days, the spirit clearly speaks that in the last days, many will depart the faith. It's the same phrase that was used of a man properly pronounced as Damas. That's the literal translation of his name. Probably safer for me to call him Demas. He departed the faith. You can't depart something that you're not connected to and or a part of. You can't depart something you're not a part of. Okay, that's English, I know. Either way, whether he ever really was or whether he actually, whatever, he left. Okay, and then the Bible says there are people that will do that specifically in the last days. This is a sign. And here's what they're going to be given over to. They're going to be given over to deceptive spirits and teachings that sound good. They just don't come from the Word of God. They're deceptive spirits. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says, Timothy, you should know this. 
Now, my man wrote two letters. I mean, guys, I'm just preaching for 40 minutes. And in all the words, Paul was essentially saying, hey, Timothy, bump your sleepy neighbor. Because if you didn't hear everything else that I just said, if you were kind of lost in thought while you were reading that last paragraph, you need to know this. That in the last days, there will be very difficult times. And here's the sign. People will love only themselves and their money. In fact, they'll get offended every time it's talked about. See, you don't get offended about something that you don't put your identity in. But when you put your identity in something and somebody convicts your identity because they're, they're convicting the thing that you put your identity in, the only response is insecurity. And in order to cover the insecurity, we get offended because it's easier to blame than it is, is to take responsibility. It's always easier to point at the problem than to take responsibility for finding the solution. And these people will be in love with themselves and their money. Hashtag, that's the pound symbol thing again. The American church. They will be boastful and proud. They will scoff God. I heard that my whole life. Yeah. And Paul wrote about you 2,000 years ago. Disobedient to their parents because their parents would rather be their friends than their disciplinarian anyway. Ungrateful. Have you ever seen a more entitled and less willing to invest generation in your entire life? Hello, last days. We can't be surprised by this stuff. 2020 shouldn't have surprised us. We should have seen that coming. I can't believe we're in this. Have you read the book? The saints of God should have been walking around going, uh, hey, so we read about this. Um, I don't know if like this is the one thing, but, uh, and all the ladies could probably help us better. The Bible says this is the beginning of birth pains. There will be the beginning of birth pains. I've never had a contraction, thank God. But apparently they're extremely uncomfortable. Do you know that 3,500 Assembly of God pastors quit in 2020? Because they became more comfortable with what they had in the church than they were with the Holy Spirit that helped them build it? See, when you find comfort in things that aren't the comforter, then the enemy will come after those things and you'll doubt whether God exists because you didn't have your faith in Him anyways. They'll be ungrateful. They'll be unloving. They'll whine and complain about what's going on around them instead of having the self-control and discipline to do something about it. They'll be slanderers. They're willing to run over their friends just to get their way. That's Darwinism, by the way. Only the strong shall survive. No, Darwinism is not what the people of God believe. The people of God believe less of me and more of Him because His strength is perfected in my weakness. I don't know what's going on, but I know God's up to something. And the weaker I get, the stronger He becomes. I don't know what everybody's looking at, but y'all can keep watching because God's about to reveal Himself. Now, if I'm not here and all that stuff starts happening, you got left. Betray their friends. Be reckless. Puffed up with pride. They'd rather be entertained than anointed. They scroll on social media more than they study the scriptures. They love pleasure, not God. Oh, they'll act religious, but they will reject the power, dunamis, transformational, dynamite authority of the Most High God that could have actually made them godly. And Paul warns Timothy, stay away from people like that. Romans chapter 1, God talks through the Apostle Paul about handing people over to a reprobate mind. Depraved, it means failing the mental test. 
It means they'll call evil good and good evil. The men will have relations with men and the women will have relations with women. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I just know how to read it. And you can translate it and try to transform it to fit whatever you want it to fit. I'm not being ugly when I speak to demonic agendas. I'm actually being anointed trying to help you get out of it. It is my heart that you would be as delivered. Come on, if you're lost in drunkenness, I want you to get out. If you're lost in adultery, I want you to get out. If you're lost in pornography, I want you to get out. If you're being transformed and or converted to an ungodly agenda, I'm going to speak to it because I want you to get out. 2 Thessalonians chapter 11, not only will he give them over to a reprobate mind, but in the last days, and this is what this chapter is talking about, it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11, for this reason God sends them a powerful delusion. See, when we're gone, the Lord will send a delusion upon the earth. Now he'll send two witnesses as well, and he'll send a hundred thousand evangelists. But he will send a powerful delusion so that what? So that they will believe the lie. And I'm telling you that those contractions are taking place right now. Honestly, that's why it's so important if you're not already registered that you stop being lazy and go get registered to vote and that you watch, pray, and contribute as a civil citizen of the United States of America and the state of Louisiana because you can't complain about stuff you ain't contributing to. What society, help me, Lord, close it, get these people into lunch because we got another group coming. What society, what society would be so reprobate, depraved, mentally unaware, and disillusioned? What culture would so fall for the counterfeit that they would mutilate children within the womb of a mother? Hang on, hang on. What society would become so reprobately disillusioned, demonically possessed and confused that they would think they could have a child and choose whether they want to keep the child and or mutilate the child into becoming a gender that they want it to be? What society, what culture, the Laodicean one, I'm going to talk about God's at war next week. Come back. Bring a friend. It'll be great. What society? It's the same society that would stock their way into a movement of sexual immorality. It's the same society that began to legalize solicitation of men and women and now stands by idly and does very little about children being trafficked into that legalization. What society, the society that would pin up women as objects of lust and open up dens of dogs and refer to it as gentlemen's clubs? What society, the society that would condone the reprobate mind with attempts to redefine marriage even though God already said what marriage was and it can't be redefined? What society? It would be the society that might not have multiple spouses at the same time. They just sleep around with anybody or everybody all the time. It's the society of people even within the house of God that thinks that they can have multiple spouse members without repentance from the former fornication. It's the society that has murdered 70 million unborn babies. It's the society that they believe they have no choice as to who they're attracted to, but they have all choice as to what gender they affiliate with. It's the society that is changing the designation of pedophile to minor attracted persons because it is discriminatory to judge someone based on who they are attracted to even if they are a child. And that was a professor in a United States of America University. Where are we as a society? 
that we would arm terrorists with nuclear capacity? Where are we as a society that we would stand by idly while Gog P Putin begins to form his new Nazi tirade? Where are we as a society where God's elect would become more judgmental than they are just? Where are we as a society where God's chosen people would whine more about the lost than they would take the time to win the lost? Where are we as a society Society where we would become more self-righteous than we are spirit-filled and sanctified? Where are we as a society where we would spend more money, time, and effort to maintain social status than we would to say, oh God, pour me out like a drink offering and use me to change a generation? Are we more passionate about academics and entertainment and extracurricular and athletics than we are the sleepy and lukewarm but thank God 150 years ago in Topeka Kansas we saw another great move of his spirit and it spread out across this land and landed on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. It made its way up to Toronto, Canada and back down to Hot Springs, Arkansas. It birthed its way over to Brownsville, Florida and spread like wildfire up into Springfield, Missouri. It made its way into the promise keepers that came together in Dallas, Texas. And now we have T.D. Jakes and Judah Smith and we have Elevation Church and Church at Home and we have the chosen and we are seeing more people being one to Jesus than we have ever seen before and thank God that he's raising up a church called New Hope on Satig Road across from a graveyard because the bodies may be laying over there but the body, spirit and soul of Jesus Christ is alive and well over here it is the time of the last days Joel chapter 2 verse 28 Acts chapter 2 verse 17 and 18 made a promise that in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That is why we have seen more people converted to Christianity in the last 50 years than we have seen in the previous 1950 years. It is why we are seeing great revivals all across the earth and out of 193 sovereign nations, all but 17 of them have the gospel growing at a more rapid rate than they are populating their nations. Jesus is making his method and his message known around the world. By 2025, 100 million Bibles will be printed each year and God is moving in visions, signs, and wonders through Buddhism and Muslim territories. He is making himself known in Asia, India, Africa, and he is restoring the church of the United States of America because he's pouring out his spirit and he will not quit until he comes back to get us. And the Bible says that when he pours out his spirit in the last days, that his sons and his daughters shall prophesy and even the maidservants will receive a word from the Lord. The Bible says that the young will see visions and the old will dream dreams. Come on, church. As Stephen Furtick said, we're not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. We're not waiting on revival. We're bringing revival. We're not waiting on God to do something. He's waiting on us to operate in the anointing of what he has already done. Somebody take 10 seconds and give him one of those seven praises that you're supposed to give him. Come on, if you can't do it in the house, how are you ever going to do it out there? Our nation, y'all sit down. We're going to be here all day. Our nation as a whole is in decline. I see it, you see it, we know it. Our nation is in decline. Our state, this area, 
It's being attacked unlike ever before. You know why? Because the devil knows he's almost out of time. And even though this land may seem like it is in a decline, I came to tell you that the kingdom of God is on the rise. And as long as we're here and doing what he said, then his kingdom shall come and the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Revelation 4 and 5 are the last time that you see the church. From Revelation 6 to 18, the church is not in the picture because we're with Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ where our giving will be judged, where our works will be judged where our servant's heart will be judged, where our actions and our attitudes will be judged, where whether we invested in earthly things that moth and rust destroy or kingdom things which are eternal will be judged. And we will either come out purified and refined as silver, gold, and precious stones or it will be burned up like chaff before the glory of the king in Revelation. So who do you belong to? Are you his? Or are you just a hero? Revelation unveils the Christ. 